Nuns versus Nurses, Episode 4 Jacob's fate now lies in the hands of the tribal hunting party that discovered him unconscious after his fall. As an outsider to their world, he is a variable, an unknown, an X-factor, and so he has been perceived as the threat they have been warned about. They know that those that would see themselves as authorities of this world and seek control and power have launched an unprecedented campaign that an outsider cannot be welcome or accepted. And although the tribe has no way of knowing if the threat of an outsider is valid, the fear and reverence they have for authority cripples their confidence in making their own decisions and compels them to not even take the chance. As they tie and carry Jacob to his unknown fate, Sister Dames, the nun he had shared his dream with, has woken and declared to her fellow nuns she must run an important errand before returning to their main camp where the children in her charge await her return. The nuns know from experience she has had another dream to inform her what course of action to take, and they trust her errand will bear a result to help their mission. Someone has been trying to suppress knowledge of the origins of this world, as well as a path to a better future, and her sisterhood has dedicated themselves to finding any information or key to allow and create a better world for everyone. At the camp she will eventually return to, a flurry of activity is happening. A small but growing group of families and individuals have put their trust in the sisters' mission and all live to serve the same purpose, advancing the pool of knowledge of the history that led to this point and to combat the forces that would hide truth and information, the information that would make their world a better, safer place for everyone to live the lives they choose rather than be victim to forces they don't understand. Two of the children from the group now explore the series of tunnels that the camp has used for shelter, storage, and basic industry. The deeper parts of the caverns remain unused, and the two orphan children, who are in Dames's charge, Jackie and Lee, have been playfully searching for raw materials at the request of Sister Dames. They find joy in their activity, knowing they are both helping the cause and the mission of the camp, while also being free to explore and have fun at the same time. Jackie is older by a year or two, and so Lee is as motivated to please her as he is to actually complete their task. They each carry a small pouch that they fill with the particular material they seek as they sift through the dirt and looser sand on the cave floor. I think that's all there is here, Jackie says, as she stands up and dusts herself off. For something that is supposed to be everywhere, it sure is hard to find. Lee only responds with a smile and a quiet nod, and lets Jackie continue. Sister Dame says these shiny crystal flakes and rocks we find are the little pieces of what so much of our world is made from, and that's why it's the only material that works for Mr. Kernan to make the keys from, although I'm not sure what the keys are supposed to open. The nuns don't seem to ever use them, but they each wear one on their rosary. It's so pretty and shiny, I wish he would make one for me, but I know that they are the special keys that only the nuns get. Sister Dame says each key is slightly different, so there's more of a chance that one will work when the time comes. But I don't know what time she means. But I bet she has the right key. She always seems to know the best. And as Lee looks at her in a half-understanding way, she continues, I don't really get it either, Lee. And all the nuns already have keys, so why does he need to keep making more? And as the children return from deep within the cave and head towards the entrance, they pass a small workshop where a man is hard at work crafting materials on a workbench. Despite the primitive setup he has, 
Some of his equipment seems far beyond the current technological level of the rest. As he works, he uses a hammer and flame with such intent and focus, he does not seem to notice the children enter the work area behind him. As sweat drips from his brow, it is absorbed by a cloth tied around his head. But the cloth is not wrapped around his forehead. It is wrapped lower, covering his eyes. And not just from any debris that would hit them, but from any source of light that would allow him to see his work or anything around him. The children empty their pouches of the shiny material, and Jackie notices that the previous supply they brought is no longer in the box where they deposited it. It's now on the workbench, and the blind man is using it in his work. We are just in time, Lee, she says. He's using the last of what we found and brought to him last time. He must be making another key. But Lee's attention has been diverted from Jackie. He is turning to hear where a slight muted beeping is coming from, and as Jackie follows his glance, they both see a burlap tarp covering something that is gently pulsing a dim light from underneath, as it continues a series of beeps to accompany the very subdued slow light display. Before Jackie can say anything, Lee has reached towards the burlap and lifted just far enough that they both get a glimpse of what is causing the noise and blinking. And now increasing light hits their eyes as they struggle to understand what they are looking at. They're interrupted by the echoing sounds of a horse and wooden wagon pulling up outside the cave. And as a group of people go to greet the driver and unload the wagon, the children run and push past the small crowd to see the sight that brings a wide smile to each of their faces. Sister Dames has finally returned. And after a quick hug and greeting, she motions the children to follow her to the back of the wagon so she can show them something they will be very excited to see. They don't know it yet, but what Dame shows them will be something that finally starts to tie together all the pieces of the puzzle that surround them. Several miles away, the three nurses that greeted Jacob when he first entered this world meet secretly from the other nurses. While Nurse Kay and Nurse Wood are willing to oblige the secrecy, Nurse Mildred Cheswick, in particular, is acting suspiciously different from what they know of her. They are no longer in the ancient stone structure where they met Jacob and used the instrument that disoriented him. They are no longer in the ancient stone structure where they met Jacob and used the instrument that disoriented him extremely, for reasons still only they know. Although there is no staff or patients and little actual medical equipment, the building they now meet in is the headquarters of the nurses' faction, and everything from the institutional color and sterile nature of the whole structure reveals it is definitely a hospital. In a world of disrepair, the interior is flawless, with freshly painted walls to shiny reflective tile floors in the hallways. Checking to make sure no other nurse is close to overhear them, Nurse Cheswick offers, without doing any harm, we have done enough to let the authorities think we help them track an outsider. But I for one want the same answers they do. I want to know where this outsider came from and what he is doing here. Nurse Wood, not knowing which question to form first, asks, but what happened to him when I implanted the memory module as they asked? He wasn't supposed to react in such pain. Mildred Cheswick responds, it was an unexpected side effect. I altered the equipment we were given. The authorities may have wanted us to implant a module for his memories to be monitored, but I wanted to see those memories first, 
so we also extracted part of the module in this. And the other nurses are stunned to see Nurse Cheswick holds up a vial of Jacob's blood that glows and reflects light in an unusual way they've never seen before. But before the two nurses can form their question, Cheswick continues. Now we don't need to hook him up to a machine to read his memories as our benefactor's plan. We can use this to extract them right here, long before anyone else sees the answers we all want. And now the tone of Nurse K changes to deeper suspicion as she says, Yes, but how were you able to... And how are we going to analyze that? Cheswick snaps back. Whatever you are trying to apply with your questions will have to wait. But before she can continue, a loud crash of metal and glass comes from the entrance around the corner from them. And as all three nurses race down the hallway to investigate, Nurse Cheswick reminds them, The attacks have been increasing since we were given this facility. It seems we have enemies on all sides that want it for themselves. This moment is why we train so hard. Don't forget to... But as they turn the corner into the lobby, Sister Arcadia is there to confront them. Her large physical presence towers over the nurses, but they don't back down. Sister Arcadia, who was long past convinced her fellow sister, Dames, was the victim of an attack by the nurses, holds martial arts side blades in each hand. Each blade extends 10 inches from her close fist that holds them. And as the nurses take a moment in their stunned disbelief, Arcadia starts. You've gone too far this time, Mildred Cheswick. Meanwhile, Jackie and Lee join Sister Dames at the back of the wagon, where Sister Dames pulls the cover off a large birdcage in which a single white seagull resides. As Sister Dames tells them she was delayed so she could stop to pick up her new parcel, she explains it is a gift from an old friend that was left for her a long time ago to be taken care of until she felt the need had arisen. We don't have a lot of time now, children, she says. We rely on the flight of the seabird to take a journey that would take us too long to make ourselves. But she will get through. She must. And now, children? With that, Dames lifts the bird over her head and releases it to the children's delight. The bird's wings quickly flutter at first as it lifts, and then the gait of the wings settle into a steady rhythm as the bird soars and flies into the distance. As I rode home, I saw a storm over the fields that will be here soon, children, Dame says. It's best to get inside. Mr. Kernan may also need more help in his shop. Why don't you go run and see? And after a quick hug, the children run inside as Dame stays to supervise the unloading of the rest of the wagon. As the children enter the mouth of the cave and get close to Mr. Kernan's workshop, they are stopped suddenly by a pair of large, strong hands that reach around each of them to cover each of their mouths. And as the hands stop them in their tracks and pull them back into the workshop, the children wonder. With so many surprises already revealed today and things changing so fast around them, what on earth could be next? <laughs> 